Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm Tia. And this is the journey to transformation. Hi, dude. Hi. How are you feeling? Good. What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a vodka soda lime mix. <laughs> it's very yummy. Is it the hair of the dog that bit you? Kind of, yeah. I'm not really into that usually, but I had a good night's sleep mm-hmm. and I didn't feel hungover today, so I can cope with it. And also it's kind of got that summer vibes because, you know, yesterday was Pride. Yeah. Some good kind of summer fun vibes coming through. We were together on Pride. Yeah, and it was very fun. So my first Pride, actually. Um, Welcome. Yay. I mean, I've been a bit late to the game on this one, but <laughs> admittedly, I've always been away in the summers and rarely in the UK in the summer. So And Pride in Syria is not that big yeah. at the moment. Pride <laughs> elsewhere in the world is a bit complicated. Where you, where you spent your last few summers, it's not been that big. Yeah. I'm yeah. shocked that there's no Pride Afghanistan. Well... <laughs> <laughs> But very nice to see groups of LGBTQ communities from around the world in yesterday's parade. Yeah. I think we saw Uganda, Ghana, Iran, India, all sorts of different communities coming together. So they're in, to some effect, <laughs> just in the safer boundaries of the UK, I guess. But that's also subjective. Way to bring the tone down. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I loved it. I mean, at the beginning, I got super emotional. Yeah, why? Cry baby. Um, Oh, come on, so did you. (laughs) Because it was a group of, I guess, activists that had been there in 1972 when the Pride first started. This was a celebration of 50 years of Pride in London. Exactly. And they were walking through with signs saying, you know, I was there 50 years ago and I'm still fighting for the rights of LGBTQI plus communities and people. And that just was a very powerful start to the parade, I think. Kind of a reminder. And what was it that you put very eloquently? I can't remember what I said. I said it when I was a few drinks in. (laughs) You said we've come very far in some ways, but not very far in others. And and so... I'm sure I would have said it better than that. (laughs) That's why I gave you this face. (laughs) So, you know, kind of a powerful starting piece is a reminder that we're all still fighting for the basic rights. And we've come a long way, but not a long way. So, yeah. Anyway, very cool. And I think there was um, bikers that started it roaring through with flags and all dressed up. The parade started with dykes on bikes. And many, many, many years ago, I rode a motorcycle. Oh my God, Tia was a dyke on bike. I was a dyke on a bike. (laughs) It's true. In the San Francisco Pride. So I spent maybe about two weeks learning how to ride. Because I'd always ridden kind of scooters in different parts of the world, but I'd never ridden a a motorcycle with a clutch. And you only had two weeks to practice. Yeah, two weeks to practice. And it was at a time when I was working at a nightclub. And I remember the first time I got on the motorcycle, the person who taught me was someone called Catherine. I got on her motorcycle and I wasn't really sure and she was like just go you'll figure it out and I actually crashed into the side of the building inside of the nightclub oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like hang on a minute come back come back so uh yeah so that happened but I did work it out in time for the parade so that was <laughs> so that was good so Dykes on Bike started it and that was great to see them I'm thinking that I might join that group now I mean this was when I'm talking about this this was like 15 years ago I'm much more proficient on a motorcycle <laughs> and different types and styles now so I probably I don't know okay. I'd like to join their crew yeah I mean I think they have me I think so. It'd be amazing to see you at the start of the parade next year. You've got a bit of time now, maybe a bit more than two weeks. Got a year to get a motorcycle or find one to borrow. 
Yeah, integrate into the group. I've got to do my test. I'm a pretty quick assimilator, to be fair. Okay, great. This is looking promising. And then can you have a journey to transformation logo on your flag? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to get a leather jacket. No, I've been talking about merch I'm making you. You haven't talked about any merch you're going to make me. So I want a leather jacket (laughs) with journey to transformation on the back of it. Okay, noted. Okay, rude. I made you a glass. I talked about some high-vis I'm going to make you, t-shirts, mugs, all kinds of stuff. You haven't once said you're going to make me anything. It's a surprise. I'm keeping things from you so that you're surprised. Okay, it could well, be tomorrow. It could be two weeks. It could be when we're recording in three months. Well, it's definitely not going to be tomorrow because I'm telling you right now, I want you to surprise me with a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren and I, because of sloth, let's say sloth, decided not to stand in the parade. What sloth? Laziness. <laughs> <laughs> because of sloth. So we just decided to buy the tickets so that you can sit in the grandstand. Mm. So we had a seated space, which is great. I really liked it because we had our snacks and our drinks and the toilet. Yeah, it was worth just it. I mean, it if this is not an indicator that you're getting old, I don't know what is, but... Just can't the, be standing. The need to be close to a toilet. A toilet? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Then you can just enjoy it. Yeah. You're just like, exactly. I'm good, you know? I can't cope with the anxiety of not knowing where I'm going to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. If you've been drinking all day, you need to... I went like four or five times and we just drank all afternoon. We lined up at like 11 and we left at about 4.35. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. And also just snacking, being able to be like, here's our snacks, here's our drinks, everything's perfectly laid out, ready. You weren't very upmarket with the snacks though, to be fair. Oh, our snacks were good. Yeah. You okay. made a chicken and couscous salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. We're old. But we were seated in the front bit there and... As a result, we could see a lot of what was happening. So there was dikes on bikes. And then what happened is the gay men's motorcycle club, you had the first wave of motorcycles. So there were two. And then they gave some distance between the next row, because what I think they wanted to do is use that bit as a little drag to pop wheelies and shit like that, Mm. which would have been incredible. But it looked like maybe there were a couple of people who maybe didn't get the memo about what was going on. So none of them popped any wheelies. One of them slowed up right in front of where we were seated. And then someone behind them smashed into them. And, and then, then they fell down. Yeah, and their bike wiggled and then they fell yeah, down. Yeah, there was a little bit of a wiggle and a wobble and they fell down. Yeah. But they were fine. They were. I mean, it could have been more dramatic, couldn't it? These... Are you wanting it to have been more dramatic? No, no, but I think I was like... (laughs) The way you're saying it, it could have been more dramatic. No, no, but I think... I guess what I'm saying is it could have been a lot worse because the motorbikes were around, some were going faster than others. Like, you could have easily run over the person on the floor. You know, I remember being like... (gasps) I felt bad for him afterwards. I think he stood up and was a bit disappointed himself. He was a bit like, you know, in front of a... A crowd of people with on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And pretty sure lots of people documented that. But whatever, it's fine. He got up, he got back on the bike, he went away. That's what you do. You just get back in the saddle when somebody smashed you off of it. And that's what the MCs were saying. They were like, it's not about how you fall off, it's about how you get back on. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like drawing more attention to it, I think. If it was me, I would have died a thousand deaths. I would have been like, just can you just move on real fast? (laughs) This just brings me to my point around social media and people. I always have this point to be fair so this is not a special one but that person 
somebody's posted that on Instagram. Yeah. And that's going to be going around and around and around in the universe. That person's shame is public property. At what point do you get the GDPR, the general data protection regulations that mean that people can't post stuff about you without your consent? Mm. Because I would feel really upset and annoyed and embarrassed if that was bouncing around yeah. the internet. But then, obviously, at that coin, if it had gone well, he would have been totally okay with that. Yeah, but it hadn't. I feel like what we do is we consume people's embarrassment for mm. entertainment. You were telling me about a woman who her groceries had fallen down and somebody made a video about her or something. Yeah, it was, it was really when, windy. It was when there was Storm Franklin and this person was still walking around, which was a bit crazy in the middle of the day. It was very stormy and she'd got Are like, you victim blaming? No, but I'm just saying she was like the only person in the street and like she had a Zara bag and the wind just whipped the clothes out of the Zara bag and the clothes were gone. They were whoop down the road and somebody recorded that. And that went on the internet without their consent? Yeah. That feels hugely problematic to me. You wouldn't film her if she was just walking down the street enjoying her life. Yeah, there's a line in which filming becomes funny and acceptable to put out. But filming people's embarrassment. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing that I don't really like. Can you sue? If that happened to me, I'd fucking sue. I'd uh, sue everyone. I embarrass very easily, so. Maybe we'll pause on that and come back to it. Find out to what extent you can sue people for posting about you on the internet without your consent. Note, I'm American. We are a very litigious people. If you film me without my consent, I'm going to sue you. So don't do it. Everybody yeah? watch out. Everybody watch out. He's coming for you. Not if you don't do anything. <laughs> So what else happened with Pride? We saw some really cool floats, dancing, Tesco were in there, dancing away with the DJ, Microsoft were there. In general, there was a very heavy corporate presence. There was, wasn't there? Yeah. And I think we made a note about the charities that were there or non-profits. Who did you see? So I saw Samaritans. They had lots of signs being about like non-judgmental. I didn't see. <laughs> Is that the platform? Don't be judgmental. Something like that. Yeah, it was about uh, like no judgment. Cute. But um, I make a lot of judgments. And in fact, this podcast is built off of us making a lot of judgments. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're specifically thinking about podcasting. You said you saw IRC. I did see the International Rescue Committee. It was uh, refugees. And they have signs and stuff. And yeah, they had signs, you know, as everybody does. I don't remember seeing anybody else. Local community groups and stuff. Yeah. More, I think, than the others. Yeah. And then lots of employee networks. For example? I think there was one for a job recruitment employee network. And then there was a couple of others I can't remember, but... Okay. There was definitely a few. So what are we going to do when we're in the Pride Parade next year? My God, are we going to be in it? Yeah. We need to get like a group of people around us now. Should we do it in the van? Oh my god, that would be so cool. But only one side would be able to see. You could have people like sticking out the roof. I don't want people on the roof of the van. There's a solar panel up there. Unless I spent the next year putting a proper deck up there. Could you also have a trailer or something attached? Yeah. A couple of people could be in the trailer and they could be facing the other way. And this door can be open. And One of the things I didn't see very much of, which perhaps is more of an American tradition, is people weren't really throwing stuff at people. Is that a thing in America? Yeah, we throw things. Candy or whatever. Okay. When I was young, I went to a parade. It was a festival with Mm. a parade in it, and it was a kumquat festival. Wow. So people threw kumquats at each other, (laughs) which... Sounds like it would hurt. Yeah. If you got smacked in the face with a kumquat. Yeah, because they're like, 
yeah rubber bullets is kind of what it feels like if you got a good arm on you i'd literally go with a shield yeah i don't know why my parents decided that this felt like an appropriate thing to take a 10 year old to but you know whatever i'm talking about it with my therapist so we'll figure it out one day um but you're right like they weren't and maybe that was a rule or something you can't throw things because nobody was doing it well we did talk about this yesterday about having the champagne gun Oh, that would be so fun. A champagne gun. And it looks very fancy. Yeah. It's basically a bronze gun that you screw a champagne or Prosecco bottle onto and then you agitate it. So I think maybe we should get a couple of those. But then you have to like check ID. A lot of kids around. With their mouths open like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might make for, you know, a more interesting parade going yeah. experience for parents. Ciao. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I didn't see any of that stuff. Although some of the, like Tesco and co-op, they were throwing bags. Oh, yeah. And people were giving out, or British Gas were giving out flags. This corporate rainbow washing. You're right. It was much more corporate than I anticipated. Now we talk about it. Universities as well. There's quite a few of those. Yeah. Okay. I think the point that's being made is that we spent a lot of time just at the parade. Yeah. We spent a lot of time watching people come through and the different setups and the butterflies, people dressed up as all sorts of things. There were also schools there as well and like yeah. education. The scouts? Yeah. And scouts I thought that there. was really good. Yeah. That like added a diverse layer to it. All of the stuff that was about young people feeling safe to be who they are that was the stuff that made me really emotional it was very old or very young all the very old people who had been there in 1972 that made me feel very emotional Mm -hmm. and then the ones where there were kids yeah and them feeling that they can live their whole life and be celebrated for being who they are that also i feel really emotional now (laughs) but that also made me feel very emotional because you know when i was growing up there wasn't really a space for that you didn't have anybody that i didn't really understand what was going on with me or what i was feeling because i couldn't see anything like that in the world around me so that representation piece really matters it's that representation piece which i think we've moved closer to as i've gotten older and as younger people now are growing up but then it's that sort of celebration piece so i see and then now i'm being celebrated and i think that that for those gen z gen alpha group i still think you're all fucking weird i don't understand anything about you but i'm really happy that you've got some of you have spaces where you can be celebrated for who you are because that's 100 that's everything that's 100% the view of your beautiful message from the young and the old being involved in pride. And I think for me, what that draws attention to, though, is like there is this now space to celebrate in the UK. But how in 2022, how you un- maybe unique's not the right word, but how different that still is from the rest of the world or a lot of places in the world and i think while space has grown to celebrate it it's still surprising when we google countries are accepting of these basic rights yeah it was a very emotional pride i have to say because i feel like when i was growing up pride was very much just about having a big party and celebrating and now as i'm older and doing the kind of work that we're doing I feel that pride is so much more about one of the MC said pride is a protest. 
And that's not the first time I've heard that, but it is a reminder that being out and being together is a kind of joyful protest, which is hard. I feel like there's a tension of two things. One is I shouldn't have to protest these things. Like, I'm nearly 40. Like, why are we still doing this? Which is probably the same thing that those people who were there in 1972 were saying. Of Like, why are we still having the same fucking conversation? It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I feel, one, it's a kind of joyful protest. But before, for me, it felt like what I was doing is joining together with people in solidarity around a collective trauma. Whereas as I've gotten older, it feels like we can celebrate around a kind of collective joy, which I think is a nice transition for me in places like the UK. If I was in the States in a pride, I think there'd still be that weight of, you know, what's happening with sexual and reproductive rights, what's happening with... Shall I just take the tone down real quick? Sure. Okay. So I've been really upset lately seeing that there are right-wing extremist groups who are protesting and bringing guns to drag queen reading groups for kids and libraries, like entirely voluntary things. And I can say that there is no space for somebody to be pulling a gun on a child. And I don't really understand why in America we're at this place. Like I'm a very proud, I was a very proud American having parents who served in the armed services, who had a family who immigrated from the Philippines to the States. There was a lot of pride for me growing up because as a family, we were given a lot of opportunity. I don't really recognize America as it is now because for some reason we're allowing or not being aggressive in our legislative and executive approach to saying we don't have space for a number of these things in our country. And one of them is this kind of like really far right terrorist. It's not even a resurgence or an explosion, really, because it's been there. And, you know, a lot of these groups have been identified as terrorist groups by the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But for some reason, it's coming around. It's coming out around pride as well. And I just feel like for all the things that I was really excited about in London with like young people being able to be in the parades, it just makes me also very scared in the States. You know, kids can't go to a pride event in the States without fear of having somebody pull a gun on them and not know what that means. And having to deal with that kind of collective trauma, that just really makes me very, very sad. Yeah, I'm starting to feel less and less confident that America is I've always known it wasn't what it said it was, (laughs) but it felt like that was kind of our secret until we had Donald Trump. Then everybody kind of recognized the fact that, yeah, the exceptionalism was a bit of a branding and marketing thing. (laughs) I mean, it really sounds like 1.5 million people apparently celebrated Pride in London. Yeah, There's a huge amount of people. And it sounds like for you, there was a real stark reality in terms of what that means or what that looks like you know, in the States and how other things that have recently happened with Roe versus Wade. And probably because it's come quite close together, the kind of stark reality of those two things in a short space of time. It's almost like when you think about places where homosexuality is reviled, I think of them in countries where democracy isn't very rife or apparent. And so I think the contradiction of America upholding itself as a democratic nation and yet also wrestling with really really complicated extreme bigotry i don't know i just feel like you know when we're saying oh you know ha 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 there's no uh, pride in afghanistan and like are the taliban gonna like put pride in in 2023 
I'm hesitant to make the leap between like <laughs> the Taliban and extremist groups in the States, but repressive entities with narrow, bigoted views around what queer people or women or people of color, it's not a hard intuitive leap for me because it's all a closed space where people can't live the life that they deserve to live, I guess. So yeah, it just all feels really challenging. I think also, especially in the work that we do, places like Afghanistan, Uganda, probably feeding into a little bit the sort of patriarchal, we're going to support you, help build rights on queer communities, make you feel safe, whatever, because we can do that. But coming back to issues in Europe or the UK or the US, maybe it brings into question, well, I mean, gosh, who are we? Who am I? This country, this place that I live or belong or have some connection to is the same in many aspects. Yeah. But there's a kind of a tricky one there in terms of like otherizing and... I think it's just hard to get away from the emotional... I feel really sad when I think about little kids being in a library and they're reading groups and just having a story told to them by undoubtedly a very fabulous drag queen and having people come in with their faces covered and with guns and don't yeah, know. it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying at what point are we going to say that that's <laughs> it just feels really sad it is really sad it's actually terrifying and for anyone who's experienced it how do you explain that to your children how do you begin to explain the world that they're growing up in if acts like that But this is how I feel like things in the States can be described as terrorism, because children, civilians cannot be casualties of the culture war, Mm. right? I'm very happy for consenting adults to have a dialogue and a debate and a discussion about where they sit on pro-choice, anti-choice, which is how I would refer refer to it. Like, I'm very happy for people to have intellectual conversations and discussions about where they sit because the differences in our ideas and our belief systems is a good thing. But children cannot be casualties of this cultural war. And I think that's what's happening. The second people start entering spaces where children are and making them a part of that, that is an act of terrorism because Mm -hmm. that is not... It doesn't matter. You're deciding to pull them into it without their consent. Mm. You know, have a conversation with me. You want to have a conversation with me, pull a gun on me. It's not the first time that's ever happened. Like, I don't care. Let's do it. But when you're talking about little kids who are just in their library trying to have a story read to them, like, it's really fucking fucked up. It's really fucking fucked up and really fucking dark. And I just don't know how we as a American society move past how dark we've become and i just don't think there's hope for us so i kind of a little bit just hope that this is almost where i want somebody else to just step in and just govern us because clearly like we can't figure it out ourselves Mm. i'm giving somebody a permission to invade america (laughs) new zealand they're pretty good future (laughs) invaders (laughs) they're pretty good i mean maybe new zealand could come <laughs> Just I'm happy. Maybe they could do um, help. 
We're doing a shit job at the moment, so can somebody please help us? I mean, maybe it's like an accompaniment piece where the New Zealand government comes, hangs out with the US government for a year and then leaves kind yeah? of thing. Okay. Um, capacity strengthening anyone? <laughs> <laughs> um, Should we make it a, a terms of reference? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's make it a out terms there. of reference. <laughs> Coming to job board soon. But it is very, very emotional. And I think, you know, from what's on the news, what's in social media, so many Americans like you are feeling this crossroads piece, are sitting on the juncture of what happens now, finding a way to to move forward and finding a way to bring activism and hope to this space is not easy. But I imagine there are some groups out there that are on it. And where there's darkness, people always find a way, right? That sounds very cliche. This is your British optimism coming out. I, know. I can't stand it. I know. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we've both heard of where there are incredibly hard times and something creative or something magical comes out of it. The way, for example, that people are sharing resources about where to get an abortion now, the podcast rallying together and putting about Roe versus Wade at the beginning of their episodes. That's kind of cool. Things that are appearing as a collective activism. But this collective activism isn't penetrating the social armor. Right. It's the same thing we talk about with organizations where you've got these pockets of dissent. And yes, it's great that you have these pockets of dissent, but we haven't reached that kind of, you know, we need Malcolm Gladwell to tell us what the critical mass looks like so that we can actually influence something. The tipping point. Yeah, we need the tipping point. Like, what is that? And at the moment, I don't think that we're I don't know why we're not there, because overwhelmingly Americans support a person's right to choose And yet, the way that we have structured our institutions means that you can have a Supreme Court that's, I mean, I have a ton of issues with lifetime appointments in the Supreme Court. In fairness, the only person I would want to have a lifetime appointment would be RGB, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But even then, I'd be willing to say no, like we need to have a rotation in there because you just become more entrenched in your ideas the older you get. Can't teach an old dog new tricks is an adage because it's true. The older I get, the less likely I am to change in my views. In fact, I feel like I get more extreme in my views and more <laughs> and more grounded and rooted in what I believe. I just happen to believe things that I feel are about the society as a pluralistic, you know, as a bigger collection of different people and that that's a good thing. I'm not somebody who thinks that that's a bad thing. And if you are your dick, so fuck off. Can we send them to a place? What, like uh, ADAC? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we should explain where ADAC is. Okay, explain what, explain what ADAC is. ADAC is a small island near or off the coast of Alaska, it's in Alaska. I don't oh, know. in Alaska, I don't know. yeah. Alaska and, has many coastlines. Yeah. <laughs> so ADAC is an island in Alaska, and there happens to be some gold Eesh. that has been buried there. Alleged apparently, gold. yeah. Apparently, <laughs> there is gold buried there, and there were some researchers that went there to try gold and, hunters. Yeah, to try and find this because the island community was a little on its way out in terms of economic recovery. And in terms of economic, economic recovery, economic, (laughs) economic, economic, (laughs) economic recovery, and they needed help. And so the mayor was like, let's get some people in to look for gold. And it's our last chance. And so what Lauren is summarizing is a show on Netflix. Yeah. So this (laughs) is a show on Netflix. What's it called? (laughs) Pirate Gold 
something. Barrett Gold. Something anyway, like this could be a good island to send bigots to. People, we, yeah, they do. Because there's a lot of like. unexploded ordinances. And there's tundra <laughs> holes and there's. People falling down caverns and shit. Yeah, and there's like dark lakes with. No vegetables. Houses falling <laughs> apart. Yeah. I think we should send them there. Like, if people don't want to be a part of a plural society, you know, if you want to like live your white race there. I'm not pointing at you. It's an option. <laughs> it's an option. <laughs> Go there. That'd if you want to have your own little island, I don't understand why we're not opposed to that. There's not going to be any kind of great replacement there. Go to ADAC, live there. Yeah, maybe there's a couple of bombs so why underground or whatever <laughs> but you'll be fine there's houses and stuff already there so just go there fuck right off over yeah, there that's fair can't all the people just go and live in texas and that be governed as its own country and everyone else outside of texas is well there was a movement to annex texas from <laughs> the rest of the states not that long ago <laughs> i think that's why i said it i think i knew there was something around that I mean, I don't want to paint Texas with a big broad brush because I do know that there are some liberals in Texas. I just yeah. feel like if you don't want to be part of the melting pot of America, which is the thing that we've always said is, you know, read any history book on the United States of America. It's described as the great melting pot. If you don't want to be a part of that, that's OK. It's the same with my softball team. I didn't really like that softball team. So I went and left it. I found a different softball team. If you don't like that softball team, go and join a different softball team on an island in Alaska. Why is that not an option? Why do you have to make everybody else miserable with your bullshit go away? I mean, I know that penal colonies have had a long, terrible history, but I don't know. I'm starting to come around to it. <laughs> if you have any thoughts on Tia's idea, solution, we're keen to, to hear them. Yeah, where should we put racists and bigots who pull guns on little kids who are just trying to have a story read to them by a wonderful drag queen. Over to you listeners. <laughs> JRNYpodcast at gmail.com. And if you've got some shit to say, still email say us. Say it. Because I want to hear it. <laughs> Maybe there's something here around the Kumquat Festival. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe on their way to the island, they have to pass through a Kumquat Festival. Where everybody gets to line up. All those little kids who were tormented and terrorized by these fucking assholes get to throw Kumquats. Adults get to throw bricks. Stoning. Good old-fashioned stoning. I'm upset. It makes me sad. <laughs> it makes me sad. Anytime you've got little kids who are getting caught in the crossfire, it's not fair. They don't deserve it. They're little and that's the kind of shit that traumatizes people until their adulthood. So this is like, you're now talking about intergenerational trauma when you start doing shit like that. Oh, it's not cool. It's not fair. It's completely fucking wrong. And it is the definition of terrorism. I think brick, stones, kumquats, all that stuff. And if you disagree, come into the van. You may not leave it, but come into the van. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. Yeah, let us know what you think. That was a bit of a dark turn. But a very important one, and I think one that is very much on people's minds right now. Yeah. And so I think to have that kind of expression of emotion, feeling, is really important. Okay. Do you think we'll get more listeners? I hope so. I was waiting for a moment to really drop some sadness, and I thought maybe it might draw on some... <laughs> Well, if the idea is that what tracks on Instagram is people's embarrassment, then maybe what we'll get from my deep sadness oh, I and see. pain and despair is more listeners. What do you think? I think that whatever it is about listeners, whether they listen more or not, I think that was very, very powerful. Could you cry a bit? I think I cry all the time. I don't think our listeners need to see that right now. 
Well, our listeners wouldn't see that. <laughs> I mean, our watchers. <laughs> they don't need to hear me crying. <laughs> I also want to talk about another dark thing that I saw yesterday. Sorry, everyone. Go on. Rainbow profiteering is the uh, name I'm going to call it. Rainbow profiteering is when Lauren and I ran out of booze and we went to a store to oh, get more booze. Yes. Tell the people about that. So we went to a shop to buy more booze and it was a shop right in the center. There was rainbow flags outside, blah, blah, blah. We went in, we had to queue round and it turned out that what we wanted was extremely expensive. Nine pounds more expensive than what you normally would pay for it, I checked. It's very likely that those prices were pride prices, <laughs> hence rainbow profiteering. Yeah, I'm coining that term if anybody hasn't already. Rainbow profiteering. And that was a really good example of it. Here's a bunch of people coming to celebrate the rights. And yeah, we're going to put up our prices because... It's crazy. I'm going to shout them out. Food and wine, Charing Cross. Rude. Very explicit name. It's food. And it's wine. Well, that is, in fact, how we found it. Yeah, we were like, oh, food and wine. We need food and wine. Anyway, we didn't buy food or wine. No. But... We bought liquor. And also, we walked back, didn't we, past a little tourist shop on the way in the evening, and they'd already taken their rainbow flags down. Yeah, rainbow done. And it was only two hours later or something. Yeah. It's that, oh, it's done now. Everyone can go back to being whatever they whatever were. they were before. Yeah. Which is not the case yeah. if you're fighting for rights of LGBTQI plus communities. Yeah, I don't understand why those things can't just be like up all the time. Why does it have to be a one time thing? Yeah, a one time thing. And it just really feels tokenistic. It felt really tokenistic. There was a restaurant that was opposite us. It had to do with steak. It was a restaurant across from the Haymarket Grandstand. You know who you are. Next to a Thai restaurant. And they were just putting their pride flags up. That's right, like 10 minutes before the festival started. (laughs) It's a bit late to be jumping on this bandwagon, kids. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I don't like that. What do we call it? That's gay bait. Yeah. Rainbow washing. That's what it is. (laughs) And you also mentioned something about people putting their logos on flags. So like, you know, very much again, profiting from... Foxton's, which is an estate agent. Yeah, that really got many me. people did it. Like, <laughs> I think ITV, there was loads of them. And just their big logo right in the middle of the flag. Yeah. Which is just basically corporate comes like, hey, look at us. Yeah. This is your corporate social responsibility person making a bad decision. Mm. Because you cannot just whack your logo over top the pride flag and that that's okay. It's not about pride then. It's about <laughs> your company. And I get that people spend their money at pride for the publicity, right? And we were like, oh, Tesco has a really good float. I'm going to go and shop at Tesco. <laughs> like, I get it. I understand the point of that. Like, you want 1.2 million or however many people are there. And also the people who are watching the live stream at home. Okay. You want all those people to be able to see your shit. But I just think there's something really dirty and disingenuous about sticking your logo on top of the pride flag. Think about the American flag or the Union Jack. You don't see people sticking their logo on top of that and feeling that they can appropriate that flag. And for some people, the queer flag is as sentimental and important, if not more so, than statehood and national identity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So just sticking that shit on top is not cool. I'm not here for it. I didn't mm. like it. The Foxton's one was the one that really fucked me up. Well, yeah, I mean, Foxton's estate agents. No offense, but... 
not really sure what you're adding or bringing here. <laughs> yeah. And I I think it's really great for their employees. Their employees get to go out and be in the parade. You know, I could tell a few of them are on the team. So, you know, well, yeah, great for them. Well, yeah, individuals, for sure. But to bring your whole corporate baggage with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, you know, like what I would want is just have your little Foxton signs out, whatever. Have them in their t-shirts, but let them have the flag as it is. You don't need to stick your shit on top of that. It's just a bit gross. And it's kind of that thing, again, with the individuals that work for Foxton's don't just belong to Foxton's, right? The fact yeah. that maybe they identify as lesbian, bisexual, gay, whatever, yeah. is who they are as individuals outside of your organisation. Yeah. And it's that ownership over who people are and what they identify as just because you work for them. Yeah. And yeah. I think that comes through. I mean, I appreciate this is taking a bit of a dark turn, but I did have a good time yesterday. I had a great time. But these things that we looked at, we saw, are really important to analyse, I think. Because we're nasty pessimists. Well, I am. Well, because we like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) We like to be critical, (laughs) but in a good way. And I think we should really go back to, across the whole thing, there was a sense of huge solidarity and having it not run in 2020 and 2021 meant, I think there was a lot of emphasis on coming together again three years later. And that was really felt. They were the obligatory protesters, counter-protesters. Yeah, I saw a few on the internet afterwards. Yeah. I think a very small group. I mean, when you've got 1.2 million marching, there needs to be a massive show of force for that to make any kind of impact. Yeah. And there was like one old dude, one old white guy with his little portable boombox. <laughs> yes. Just like, you know, repent. And people were just singing at him and like yeah. dancing in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which Great is a, response. Which, in, in fairness, is a really good way to get people... Maybe that's what we should do. We should pretend like it's a counter-protest. Because he was in a little fenced-off area yeah, right along right. the Pride route. They were boxed in. Yeah. I would do that. Because then you can have like your whole picnic area. <laughs> you can have all your snacks together. Get a porta potty brought in. We could have had our whole grandstand area be, for ourselves. Because he had a whole fenced-off area but, himself. But how can he get a whole fenced-off area to himself? Maybe Please. you apply for like another permit to protest or something. Oh, Yeah. We were joined by a very special guest in the evening, weren't we? We were. It was almost like we had it planned. Yes. We left Pride and then we walked to Hyde Park and we happened to bump into Adele. (laughs) Well, not quite. Bump into the sounds of Adele. (laughs) Yeah. Her voice and the notes of the piano were just like lilling through the park. Beautiful melodies over the wall. (laughs) Yeah. We were behind a wall. We were behind a wall. We didn't pay to go in, but we we were privy to some of our favorite Adele tunes. Had we wanted to pay to get in, we couldn't have because they were sold out. And the only tickets they had left were 300 pounds a person. We're not quite there yet. Podcasts don't make no money yet. <laughs> but if you want to change that, check us out. Patreon.com forward slash JRNY podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so next year <laughs> we can get into it. <laughs> so yeah, it was nice to hear some tunes from Adele over the wall. We recorded a little video that we'll put out on Instagram. Assuming we don't appear too drunk, but yeah, I need to check that one out. Yeah, I'm fairly confident we're pretty drunk in that. Well, I'm really happy to have joined you on your first Pride, and I'm very happy that you were with me on my next Pride. yeah thank you for showing me what pride is all about well i mean i think there's probably more to pride oh i'm sure but i mean we brought it from the angle of toilets good snacks and a seated position we spent two hours in a jollybee yeah we did that's another episode i think there is definitely some cultural analysis needed yeah for jollybee jollybee is a filipino fast food chain and we were in there for two hours 
So fast food, take it lightly. <laughs> yeah, fast food chain. We were in there for two hours, not including the time it took us to be in the line outside of the restaurant. And Jollibee in Leicester Square always has quite a long line anyways. Jollibees traditionally around the world have kind of long lines, I think, when they're in the States or when they're outside of the Philippines, I should say. There's usually a long line because we all love Jollibee. We were in there for two hours, but everyone was just chill as fuck. People were not freaking out. Occasionally people would be like, I just can't wait anymore and ask for a refund. But every time somebody got their food, we were all there together clapping. Yeah, it was just real camaraderie. Yeah. And nobody was angry. And I just think like if you had that in McDonald's somewhere else. You get stabbed. I just can't imagine, you know, the families. I mean, I can see my own like parents <laughs> and anyone being like, what the fuck? I'm not waiting another 10 minutes. Like this is taking Shout forever. out to the bros. <laughs> and they'd verbally get annoyed and you'd see it. Like it'd be much more visible. Yeah. Like the irritation, the shouting, the going up and being like, where is it? Like how long is this going to be? Yeah. And the general atmosphere would be really like like tense. Why is your family so hectic? Well, I mean, not just my family. (laughs) You've positioned your family firmly into this storytelling. (laughs) I think I don't know if patience is a virtue of my family. (laughs) Ooh, hard burn. Hard burn to the Burroughs clan. (laughs) It was just pretty remarkable, I think. Like people were very cool. Somebody got their food, got quite a decent sized order, got their food and then gave the fries out to some kids. So sweet. So sweet. We did get some of those fries. And also like the one of the first numbers, we were like 916. And the first order on the thing was like 828. And we were just like, 828 can't possibly still be here. And like half an hour later, they called 828. And this woman comes forward and you're like, bloody hell, you've been waiting for like two hours. And then even then, like they'd forgotten something and she still waited another like 10 minutes. To get it. It's just wild. Was it worth it? I don't know. We should have done a survey. No, for you. Oh, for me, yeah, I enjoyed it. But like, I think I was also. I was in a very patient mood and in a good place. So I was enjoying the atmosphere. That's that Filipino vibe. Yeah. I didn't feel like we were there for an hour and a half at all. We were having a good chat. It was, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the kind of Filipino magic, Yeah, to be fair. That's what I try to bring to this podcast, but I only do it half well because I'm just half Filipino. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Well, good what? Well, Where am I going with this? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good little journey. I very rarely know where you're going with things. <laughs> well, then that was a good little journey for people across our Saturday pride. Yeah, it was a great time. From Parade to Jollibee to Adele. Yes, that was it in a nutshell. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our Pride 2022 rundown. It's a lot longer than I thought we'd spend on this, but it's nice to talk to you. Debrief. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, it was a good debrief. Well, I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. And this has been the Journey to Transformation. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal.